Hello, everyone. Welcome to Arash's World. Today, we have a very special guest, Dr. Ardashir Mehran. Um, welcome to Arash's World. How are you doing? Well, thank you so much, Arash. I'm so happy to be here and spending the time with you and your guests. Wonderful. And so and one of the questions I ask all my guests here is, how would you briefly describe yourself? What would you say? There's a lot to, to talk about, but what would you focus on here briefly? What would you say? Great. Thank you so much. So I have a single mission in life that I'm, I'm bringing a cure for depression to humanity, and I'm here to ease the suffering of millions of people worldwide dealing with depression. And I want to share with you the science why depression is so hard to treat and what I'm bringing to the world that they need to know about how do you actually heal depression. I love that. love that. And um, so your book is called You Are Not Depressed, uh, You Are Unfinished. And I find yep. that very interesting. And there we go. You're not depressed. You are unfinished. So, um, yeah, let's dive into that. So what would be basically your definition of depression? What is causing it? And then we'd also like to look at what can we do about it? And how can we Great. help people and heal from it? So where, what Thank would you, you say? Great. Thank you so much. So the depression. Um, so in terms of my background, I'm a psychologist. I went to graduate school trained uh, to be a psychoanalyst, uh, trained at Columbia University, did my clinical training in Bellevue Psychiatric. And then the, through some the events in life, I ended up being corporate psychologist. I worked with hundreds and hundreds of people, professionals, executive, all the CEO, and you see depression and anxiety in senior people. And it's, it's depression in senior people, professionals, actually, you don't see it you, because people learn professionally, they learn how to mask it. They have a great smile. They have house on the hill, you know, wonderful spouses. Position, and they don't wealth. talk about it. They don't talk about it. At they all. don't talk about it. The reason is they don't know it. Oh, they don't they know don't it. They don't know it. They don't know it because depression there's a clinical depression that um, the major depressive disorder that you look really ill. You know, you need to take medication more or less your body shuts down. That's a very small population of people who are depressed. There's a large curve of people have elevated depression and last a long time and they don't know they're depressed. How does it look like? It's a sense of heaviness on their soul or in their mind. And if you talk with them, there is a sense of grieving, there's sense of loss, there's sense of the yearning for something. And in fact, they use the term, someday I will do this, someday I will do that. And they feel there's a heaviness on their soul. And the way you know they're depressed actually is in their bodies. Mm. Women have the high rate of gastrointestinal churning a stomach, mm -hmm. the, the tightness of their stomach. Men have gastrointestinal I'm saying cardiovascular in you know, a heart, sudden heart attack. A, a key data point, um, and I will answer your question, what is depression? So I used to work uh, as an executive with Kaiser Permanente in the, the largest healthcare organization the, in the U.S. This is a known fact, and you see that across healthcare organization. Every day, adult primary care, up to one-third of patients that they go to hospital is for depression-related symptoms. 
doctors know this. It's called functional diseases. So mm -hmm. they test, they do MRI, blood tests. There's nothing wrong with them. Psychosomatic. And, yeah. Psychosomatic. Yeah. And doctors say, and I have patients, the doctor tell me I'm okay. And they say, I know I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. So this is depression that we don't know we are depressed. Just our body feels ill. Uh, you see a lot of aches and pains, migraine headache, the shoulder problem, neck problem. All of these are depression unresolved. What is depression? Depression. Before is we get to that, I just want to jump in because that really sums up what I was going through a few years back. And yeah. I did not know, like you're saying, because everything is okay and fine, but there's no excitement. There's no thrill. And there's also right. that kind of feeling like someday. And I would always project it into the future. Right. I'm not ready for it yet. I can't handle yeah. it. One day things will get better. I had migraines on a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. had various other uh, symptoms that started getting worse cardiovascular disease as yeah. well. And so, but once you you get out of that, you realize, first of all, what, yeah. wait, there is something yeah, yeah. wrong. And you take the steps, all of these problems kind of disappear. I haven't had a migraine in like months, which is amazing. That's exactly. I actually kept That's exactly. a journal that was every week. I would say, okay, another one, another one. Now it's exactly. gone. I had sleep apnea and that's gone. So it's it's that's that right. we call it psychosomatic, but really the body and the mind are really intertwined right. and you can't separate one with the other. But I love how you're focusing also on the body. That's, that's where right. we get the symptoms. That's, that's right. Symptoms. That's where you find out. So this is part of my work that I talk about, and this is coming from the research. Mm -hmm. So this is already this is exciting. So going back to people and then how you know depressed. People can be severely depressed and from the outside, they look great. Yeah, that's right. That they have a smile on their face. So the reason I know this, uh, I was depressed coming from a depressed family, mom and dad, brothers, sisters. And I went over the years to seven psychologists, psychiatrists, taking medication. And I was a corporate executive. I was the life of the party. I was a role mm -hmm. model. People mm -hmm. loved me and they keep promoting yeah. me. And deep down, I was contemplating suicide. I was just done. So my book, it was specifically on the 2012 August, and I talk about epiphany that I had, keep researching, how do I heal my depression? How do I my heal depression? And people who've been psychotherapy and psycho psychologists know this, depression is very hard to heal because we are trained to heal the symptoms. Yeah, we yeah, think, yeah, depression, we yeah. think depression is a mood disorder. We look for medication. We look for ways to suffer less. Depression is a, a, a signal, is a symptom, is not a cause. Yeah, it's just like the headaches, just like the migraines, because I would take medication Absolutely. and migraine will go away, but it will come back again. Come back. It, it will come back again. It was me. What's really it's causing it. Yeah. Exactly. So people who work with me and I tell them, dear friend, dear, dear client, once you do the work that I want to describe what it is, once you do that, you will wake up one day, you will not be depressed, you will be pissed. You don't want to waste time anymore. Realize you've been living in shadow and it's a life that is being, you know it. So it's depression, amazing how much energy that is released that way. And we, I love it. You drop the D and you just become like pressed. Like I, I find like I have so much more time. I have so much yeah. more energy. You don't want to waste time. So much more I want to do. At the same That's time. So, so, yeah. so here's a part. When people are depressed, they call me, and literally people are calling me from across the globe. They say, I'm depressed. And it says, depression is your own soul signal to you. It's your SOS. Mm -hmm. It says, wake up. It's yeah. you to you. Say, wake up. 
And basically, the people say, what does it mean? Basically, what it means, there are certain emotional experiences in life did not happen for you. <laughs> there are things missing. <laughs> there are emotions, learnings, and fulfillment you didn't get. Opposite of depression is not happiness, it's fulfillment. Mm, I like that. It's fulfillment. And we are designed to be fulfilled as human beings. And so there are reasons we end up feeling depressed. Is because early in life, adult, adulthood, bad bosses, bad marriages, you know, like in a certain environment, you don't get to experience their certain emotional needs you have, know them, honor them, fulfill them. Mm -hmm. The work that I do is in my book, it shows that then basically I'm filling in a scientific gap we have. Mm -hmm. What is the gap? If you ask people, what does it mean to be emotionally healthy? People look at you with the puzzle face. They will go probably to Abraham Maslow, the hierarchy of needs, or they go to Viktor Frankl about man's search for meaning. We don't have a good understanding. What do human beings from cradle to grave need to be living a healthy life? We have a vast, vast body of pathology, depression and anxiety, obsessive compulsive schizophrenia, but what does it mean to be ill? What we haven't put that together. So my work when I was in depression and that August I talked about, I've been studying that people who are depressed, when you listen to somebody who's depressed, tell their story, actually they tell the story in three narratives. The first narrative is that life sucks. I'm oh, yeah. burning, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I feel flat or just, you know, these flat emotions. Mm -hmm. If you ask, say, tell me more, versus right away trying to fix it, tell me more. Then there's a narrative, there's a story, there's a meaning. And this is where the cognitive behavior therapy comes in. There are some thought processes come in. So in terms of why am I feeling like this? I have a bad boss, bad marriage, and you know, I'm not making money. I don't have a Ferrari yet. You know, like, you know, everybody hates me. If you listen more, say, tell me more, then there's a longing come in. I wish I was in a better place in life. I wish I was in better shape. You know, like I was born here. I, I wish I was born there. If you stay with that, I've been modeling this for 30 years. People tell the story about the needs, what they want, what are they seeking? There's a sense of longing. That longing is universal. That longing, you look, you look at the historical book, um, Old Testament, New Testament, all the way to um, throughout the history, there are basic human needs we have. Nobody's put them together. And these are the reason I call them emotional rights. These are in essence, they're biological. As being human being, we're designed to know them, fulfill them, and live by them. Parents don't give it to us. Teachers, partners, bosses, we are designed to experience them. Once you do that, you are literally your rights, like civil rights, national rights. Mm -hmm. And so when I do therapy that I do these days, I help people understanding right now do you know your rights, emotional rights? People say, heck no, what are those? Yeah. Then I, I share with them, let me walk you through that. Mm -hmm. These are things that you have it. Nobody yeah. told you that. Nobody told me that. Yeah. 
I love how you're saying also it's uh, these are not privileges; these are rights. Like they are these are right. These are belong to you. You have a bill you of your emotions. Go claim right. them. Go claim. Them. These are yours. Once you yeah. do that, people get energized. They're, oh my gosh! And so some of the people I don't want to say everywhere should do that. People who work with me, they leave the relationship with the partner. Says I love the partner. He or she is not right for me. Yeah. This job is yeah. not right for me. You know yeah, what? Exactly. I can be better. I can right now. I'm perfect, but I've been just playing small. Mm-hmm. We are all, and t- tell people, you, everybody, as a Michael Jordan or Serena Williams inside you. There's a lion or lioness. Let's look at each other. There's seven of them. Seven uh, of them. So yeah. Let's go through them one yeah, by one. Through them. Wonderful. Yeah. So let I me am. describe yeah. them. Let Which me describe them. Yeah. And I invite you and listeners. These are not cognitive left brain. These are yeah. your felt. So I, I invite you to sit comfortably. And just listen to my words as I walk you through that. Mm-hmm. The very first need happen at birth is a sense of I belong. All of the needs start with I. I belong. Mm-hmm. This is the initial connection to life. A mother or caregiver, a guardian, the quality of being held, being seen, being loved, being touched, and reflecting the love and acceptance that you belong to this world with a child, so the child to the eye of the mother or caregiver looks at you, says, that person belongs to me, I belong to that person, and develop a sense of attachment connection. That, now, is that, love, that would be twofold. It's not just to the mother, you're also like to the to the world and cosmos, like including everything, right? So, so that, but it starts with the mother, start or the mother care. It starts with that, that the child learns the sense of connection because mm-hmm. the sense of connection is the safe connection that I can be crying, but knowing a love will come to me. If a breast comes to me or milk comes to me, sheltering. So that safe connection it's so important, and for majority of human being, is afraid. Mother's avail- not available. Mother's busy. You know, like you know, mother's upset. You know, and so on. And in fact, even in a- the ideal case, I mean, I'm thinking of auto rank. Just the ideal case, it's a trauma that we go through. We we left that that womb. We left that that safety, and we're thrown yes. into something that we don't understand. We don't. We don't. So that, that's we something can. that stays with us, even in the ideal case where we have a wonderful mother. Absolutely. Most of us do not, whether intentional or not, not. That's another. But most of us do not have that connection either. So it it gets even worse just starting off. We're it's just, we, are, we are built with a sense yeah. of isolation built in, yeah. connection, isolation. Yeah. Yeah. What is important here, Arash, is that I wrote um, a LinkedIn post uh, three weeks ago. I challenged uh, the current uh, attention deficit disorder. Mm. What I wrote actually is attachment deficit disorder. So what we know from research, mm-hmm. there's a lot of scientific research coming that people who are in ADHD space, some of my clients... They are adults, you know, like in their 40s and say that since my 18, I've been taking medication mm-hmm. about attention, about my distractibility. Then some mothers called me for their teenage mm-hmm. boys and girls about the ADHD. ADHD is not in your head. It's in the early attachment needs have not been fulfilled. So brain attention, trying to scan the environment, Mm -hmm. trying to get emotional and nervous system regulation. Mm -hmm. So medication basically defer it. What these individuals need, I know some of your session you had about trauma research. So I'm trained in trauma and somatic work, help them to settle individual in their nervous system to bring some regulation. 
and co-regulation, that brain calms down. That's the heart of attachment. I think there's, I see the connection with depression because for the longest time we're saying that's it's biochemical it imbalance and it's not. I mean, that was something no, that no. Uh, pharmaceutical companies would like us to believe in many cases. That's right. That's it right. It can help. I mean, I'm not against medication, but for the main parts, there are other ways that are much more effective and much healthier right. to treat them. Right. And I think that's, that's right. all in the same line, but we're still not accepting it. We're at the stage where- We are not accepting it. This is the real tension. It's almost political yeah. tension, yes. you know, but that it, because depression is defined as the mood disorder. Mood disorder, take medication so your mood is leveled. Dep medication doesn't heal it. Mm -hmm. It levels the, the mood so it can go functioning that you need to go to the root cause because depression, again, is a consequence, not the cause. Mm -hmm. The next need developed is the, it's called the, I call it, I am boundless. This is about your body. Mm -hmm. The whole aspect is that somewhere around the time of 20th century, 1920th century, we became basically talking heads. Even the term mental health, mm -hmm. mental illness, we think is in our head. Yeah. is our entire being. So we're yeah. trying to even like a cognitive behavior therapy, psychotherapy is our verbal communication. Emotions we know from research is not in our head, it's in our bodies. Mm -hmm. We know from the brain research that brain actually follows the body. Mm -hmm. From coming from Sigmund Freud and early psychoanalysts, they thought if I think, if I believe in something, make a decision, my body follows that. Well, we have butterflies in our stomach. I mean, that's what there it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's part of that expressing. So you see behind my space is the long space. So people, when they come to my therapy session, we actually stand up. We don't sit down like you express emotions. Show me your anger. Show me your hurt. Show me your joy, your love. So that because if you don't have body memory, brain cannot go there. Mm -hmm. So you need to get bring body as a way to full expression and full healing. Mm -hmm. The next one is called I am complete. Mm -hmm. This is fundamental. What we know from research, there's no such thing as past. That brain remembers the events, can analyze, categorize, prioritize. Mm -hmm. Emotions are in the body and body has no sense of time. So if there's trauma in the body, if memory comes up, what that really means, and this is actually magical, what that really means, body is waiting to close an emotional and response mode. Body doesn't have, doesn't, you cannot fool the body with words. Body only knows action. Do something, say something, run away, punch, hug, kiss, whatever. Body needs to see action in here and now. So the healing, the work that I do compared to 10 years ago that I did therapy, bringing people in the body and whatever comes up, pain, stomach, you know, migraine headache and so on. Use that here and now as a way to reconstruct a different narrative. We can go there and realize what happened back then and there that you end up here. But going into past reflection narratives actually is not helpful. We help the person become completely full and healing happens in the moment, one millisecond at a time, you create nervous system experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Rank also looks looked at the here and now. But I think what's what's important though for me, I find there's a lot of emotional baggage. And that emotional baggage is heavy when you talk about heaviness. And that's yeah. it. But once I was able to go through that by visiting the past in the now, but visiting the yeah. past and that's bringing right. it out, 
and then make it unconscious, it disappears. And I get this feeling of lightness. So emotional baggage wears us down. But once we deal with it, we're free to move. It's like this backpack that we're wearing. It's always like heavy. And then we just relieve ourselves from it. So, so, So this is it because... Emotional baggage is waiting for an action. Body only trusts action. Act, do something. Once you do that, you create a different experience. Because but not thought, not thought alone, because that's the problem with you. Yeah, do yeah. something. Basically, is about sense of agency. Yeah. Your body needs to see you doing something. Yeah. Once you yeah. do that, because when we go through emotional burden, we fall along three levels. We don't trust our body because body's hurt. We feel isolated. Mm-hmm. And that, and we also sense of agency gets afraid that I have no power. Sense of agency. Once you get those three back, you realize you can create a new narrative here and now to combat the other one. I find that the shortcoming of of, of Freudian psychoanalysis too, because then it's like the insight, we got it, but what's now? What's next? What follows? You know, and it just leaves you there hanging. And it's like, what do I do with my freedom? (laughs) And so on. But that's what it is. So I was training psychoanalysis. It it pains me to say this. So last August of last year, I was in a call uh, with a psychoanalyst in New York City. Mm-hmm. And uh, in therapists, um, as therapists, we talk about how do we heal people with depression. So we, we mm-hmm. started to share notes. Mm-hmm. And she said, Arda, she tell me about the case of, you know, depression with one of the clients. So I shared the case with a, with a, um, with a male executive in the Bay Area. I live in San Francisco. That uh, his depression within five sessions, made a significant progress. And he, we met, and because I only worked in five session increments. And then by 15th session, he was good to go. Because whatever I do, I teach the clients. Once you learn that, you can self, the, self-heal yourself. So you said limits from the beginning. It's, uh, because in, body in knows that. Yeah. Exactly. And I tell people, I don't want you to come and see me over and yeah. over again. Because once you learn how healing is done, there's original design. We all have it. Yeah. Once you know that, like it almost like teach you how to fix your car, you can manage it. And then deal with the separation anxiety from the therapy. You learn that. You're exactly. on your own now. Yeah. Okay. No, but I don't say I'm always here, but I want to yeah. help because sure. you can yeah. manage. And then so people who work within 15 sessions, I'm good to go. I can handle it. Yeah. I can take it from here. Yeah. Then my colleague in New York City said she shared about her work with the case study. Four years, four years of therapy, three times a week. Mm-hmm. So both of us felt awkward. I know I felt awkward. I'm thinking, I was thinking maybe I'm messing things up. But then I realized that's how I was trained, that you need to go childhood analysis, what happens, the conscious, subconscious, you know, all of that. Those are interesting, but takes people from here and now. That's the reason mm-hmm. therapy in talk therapy takes a long time. Body needs to be involved. Once you do that, healing happens a lot faster mm-hmm. and you can guide it. So the next need is I matter. This is about the sense of that whether you live uptown, you live downtown, you live in this country, you live in that country, whoever you are, wherever you are, respect, honor, and dignity bestowed upon you. So I used to work uh, up to two years ago. I was a corporate executive. There were many times you're in conference room um, or um, or offsite. People enter the room. Nobody notices them. Nobody turns around, call their name. Barbara, Susan, Joe. <laughs> that, yeah. There are people who are invisible. Yeah. And we know from research that in the U.S., the mass shootings, they are basically 
actually by male and the characteristics they all have in common. They are invisible. They feel nobody sees them. So in their act of vengeance, violence, they're saying that I exist. Mm -hmm. So this is about honoring, respecting, and allowing a space, inviting people. It's nothing about you without you. So you're around the table, you're a citizen, hearing that, allowing that, because that's such an essential need of human dignity. And that's hard one with today's society. If we look, I mean, throughout society, and so society, we, we create boundaries, and, and you don't matter as much as I do, and that kind of comparison and exactly. all that—that's not helping. Anyway. It's not. It's not. And this is takes about that really honoring that is at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We all have the sense of that really creating a space invitation for we're you. We're all unique and we're all like unique in our own way and we matter in our own way because if we don't exist, right. then the whole world is gone because that each Absolutely. person Absolutely. is a world. So it's exactly. I, I think that's the issue of, again, really valuing that other point of view, even if you disagree with it, but it's like you are a different person, you know? And yeah, that's again, the, the, the difference is so important, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. Then the next need is a need, I call it, I make. This is about, we know from Gallup research, year after year across industry, anywhere between 50 to 75% of workers are disengaged. It is about all of us, and this happened to me. Mm -hmm. You're in a job, the money is good, the company is okay, but it's not your job. You know, yeah. you basically, we all have- But you're good at it. Often you're good at it. You're good at it. That's but not it's not your it's not it's not you. So I was I was corporate environment and I was doing very well from getting promoted, but I was a healer. Mm -hmm. So that's a reason I, I learned that I was literally depressed mm -hmm. in the world of work. I'm not into business transformation. I was good at it, I loved it. Mm -hmm. This is my work. Mm -hmm. So many people are in the job and they're saying, when I retire, I will do that. Next year I will do that. That this is your moments of your life. Find your joys, find what you do, because once you do that, you are being you. We know, and we know from research, in, when you're in the work, world of work and your engagement is low, in those teams, they have higher rate of depression and anxiety. So part of that is about where you are, how you spend your time. The next one is fascinating, is the need of I am. This is about your soul voice, your conviction, whatever you say, it may be the stupidest idea, but it's your idea. Are people hearing your ideas? Are you sharing what you believe in? We see this in men and women. Having done the leadership coaching, many women come to me, to my work. They talk about shoulder pain, neck problem, jaw problem, thyroid. And as I, and they speak, there's a raspiness or flatness monitor to their voice. Ah, I'm like this. So they are constraining your their vocal cord as a way to be to fit in to prop to be proper. Men, on the other hand, you meet the, the, the executive sitting across the table from you, and you're yelling. They overshoot as a way to be heard. This is about how you share what's in your heart, in your conviction, in the way you believe in. That is the voice of your soul. So some of the exercises I do is that I play the song Katy Perry Roar. Yeah. That what is the soul song that you need to say? Who do you say to? Finding your voice you bring out. And then 
like people in the, the performing arts, they practice that. The voice of the character, how do you share that? The last one is the need of eyesore. Behind me, there is a quote by Maya Angelou. That is, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. It's the moment of your death. We all go through the mind, my death. Did you, did you know your story? Did you do it while you're still here? So many people, doesn't matter your at any role, they're saying that I know there's fire inside me. My soul's on fire. And they're waiting for someday to do that. Eight billion people, eight billion story. The sooner you know your story, mm -hmm. you will be out of the gate. You will be alive. And then you want to live a different life, make different choices. Mm -hmm. So all these are alive within us. So people say, Ardashir, seven of them, I don't have time for all of this. And I say, no, no, no. The way it works at each time, every moment, different phases, usually there's an interplay between three of them. There's one need that excites you, they mystifies you, you want more of that. You just say, oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. There's one need that torments you, brings sorrow, brings regrets. You just feel, I keep missing that, I keep missing that. And there's one need that creates a stability, gives you sense that sense of foundation. For example, right now for me, the need I saw, I know what my purpose is. I know what I'm supposed to do in this life in my time. I'm going there all gone blazing. The one that gives me angst is I make, I'm building a new way of therapy, a new business model. Some entrepreneur, I left a corporate, secure corporate job, doing something, so, oh my gosh, I need to figure this out. But the one that gives me stability is I belong with my wife, my son, family, my golden retriever. So I, they are my stability. Those three, every morning I wake up, says, I'm supposed to do something. There's a mission, just like anybody has figured it out earlier. year. So those three at each time, and people say, that, how do I know that? Follow the energy. Follow yeah, so the I was energy. just thinking of one connecting line that connects all of these is intuition for me. Because intuition yeah. is that deep inner voice that is all of these That's things right. that you're talking That's about. Right it leads you in that direction. So you whether it. it's yeah. you you feel you don't matter or you don't belong, the intuition will guide you on that path. That's right. With jobs That's right. too, where it's like, no, this That's is not right. it. Everything is perfect. If the benefits are good, the money is good, but this is not it. And it's intuition. not a rational thing. It's just completely irrational. Also. Yeah, actually, like you're all right, you know, like this is interesting. Intuition, something can be angst. There's a restlessness. There's a tension. There's this, oh my gosh, you know what? I'm restless, you know, like I'm frustrated, I'm stuck. That's yeah. data. Instead of numbing it, instead of drinking, instead of ignoring it. Well, listen to it. Was, yeah. Listen to it. it, it, it intuition is angry that you're not listening to it. And use then it. it out in that sense. Yeah. yeah. Use your angst, whatever it is, follow the energy. You know, like the bodily pain is energy ignored, it sits in our body and our tissue. So use the energy you have. It's your energy and energy always brings you home and guides you. So the way you do that, use those seven needs, settle with it and see which one calls you and work with that. Gradually, you will see things will shift for you.
Mm -hmm. So is is that the order you would put it as as I saw the, the, the highest one? No, no, or? actually the order, no, actually the order goes with what follow the energy, right? You know, so I saw it, some people says I'm stuck, you know, like people who are in a state of trauma healing, usually it's a combination of I belong, I'm boundless, and I'm complete. They, they need to get some basic baseline. And then those, you know, like when you're in the world of work, you know, the, the engagement is I belong, I matter, and I make. So they play usually in some constellation. The way you do that, just follow what calls up for you. Yeah, so it's how is it different from self-actualization that, that, that Maslow has? Like how so would Mas this be different? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Great question. So Maslow's self-actualization is somewhat similar to ISOR. Mm -hmm. but, That's what what, yeah. yeah, somewhat saying what's different about I saw um, is that there's no end to that. It's not your self-actualized. That there's almost there's no top oh, like of the that. Hill. Yeah. When you go, because you're, you're not own. done. You're not there yet. You're, you're not, not perfect. Then. You are always That's looking right. for perfection. And That's so right. I That's I like right. That. That's yeah. right. Like title of my book, Unfinished. You're mm -hmm. always unfinished. Like great yeah. artists, they're they're never finished. But as you go forward further roads open up, further roads open up. A journey of growth is the journey of endlessness pursued. When you well, do un that, Until death finishes us. But I think that's, again, another thing. That's, that's right. That's, that's that, that, different uh, hopefully by, yeah, but Hopefully by the time you get there, at least your estate says, look what I've done. Exactly. You know, like, yeah. But that's important then. At, at any point, we can reach that. So it's never right. too late. I think that's the idea where people give up. It's like, well, I'm, I'm way too old to change a career now, way too old to do this. Like, no, that's I right. think like if, if this is the moment, if you get that sign from your intuition, that's heed right. it, listen to it. And even, even if it seems like quite crazy, but of, often it is, it that's is right. leading you towards something much more than let me give you two data points that oh. I got the, in the last six months. Uh, I got a call from a teenager, 16-year-old, says, I got your book from my mom. It's one her kid. And I read that, the Bill of Rights, he said, I belong, appeal to that. Two different calls, two grandmothers, both 70, one on the East Coast, one West Coast, they reached out to me and said that, my kids are trying to put me in a nursing home, says that, more or less you're done, go there, said that, I read your book, I saw one of your podcasts, Oh my gosh, I have fires inside my soul. Yes, my body's failed, but I know inside me, I have so much to do, so much to give. Yeah. So you start anytime in life because the journey of emotional needs, we're done when we feel our last breath. Mm -hmm. But uh, that, you know, you, you have a lot of a story inside you. Know that and you see yourself changing. One of the issues I have, though, is with others, with society, because there's uh, often like I do like once I connect with myself, but how do I bring it out into the world? Because if in, in society's uh, eyes, often we think we don't matter. Or we don't matter in some cases for some. Uh, we think we're complete, but we're not. There's always like it's never enough. We always have to do this like our parents yeah. never satisfied with what we did. We have to do more. And so the belonging, there's even making, and we, we get criticized for that. And you could do more. It's competitive yeah. because, look, that guy has done more than you have, so that kind of pressure. So how can we find that balance where it doesn't phase us? It doesn't uh, affect us negatively. It is hard, and it will phase us. This is the journey of change. So whenever, in fact, I, with my clients, they all go through that. Once you start to change, family system, work system, 
they don't want one member to change because once you do that, you disrupt yeah. the full family. Like suddenly, when you're different, family, the reason you're dysfunctional is still within that. There's a, a pattern of keeping everything predictable. So when that happened, and this is a part that I help with my clients, that you're disrupting a relationship with your spouse, with your parents, with your siblings, you, and part of that, when you heal, their wounds become evident. Yes. And this is, and they realize the things they've been holding on to, and then they basically deny themselves. So this part, instead of being a disruptor change agent, how do you bring a heart knowing a lot of people at the end of the day start with connection, yeah. start with listening instead of preaching, hey, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, be that person that creates openness. Embody Says, it you know, for others. Embody eh? so that pe because people, people change when they see safety, since mm -hmm. acceptance, since mm -hmm. that love by you, then they can be themselves. So as I start to change, my brothers, sisters, my cousins, there were a lot of times that we said, do you remember what happened to us? The, all of that, all I was doing, I was listening, nodding my head, and there were tears. Mm -hmm. You bring healing, especially when there's a generational trauma in the family. Just be a source of acceptance and respect for them. And that's the beauty of also therapy of healing as well, because once you right. heal, then it's this chain reaction. But when That's you right. don't heal, there's also this chain reaction, which is in a negative way. So it's like, I think it's a personal like responsibility That's that right. we have That's with right. ourselves. Absolutely. To heal. Well we can't, well we can't make others heal. But once we do, yeah. there's chances they will. But if we don't, then nobody will. So I Nobody think will. And you pass it on to next generation. In but fact, I my next book will be is on generational trauma. Okay. That about how do you change that through your change you reset what you learn from your parents because once you do your own healing, and, and I believe this personally, that you reset the agony and hurt of your parents, your loved ones who you passed away decades ago, but do the work yourself and you change the family dynamics. One of the things I found fascinating, I was thinking about, is like how like the links are all connected. So like my great 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 grandfather met my great 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 grandmother, and this and this. And so if you change a single thing, I might not exist. Yeah, and so, yeah. but as you talk about trauma, it's passed on too. But that one link in the here and now, the present person yeah, yeah. that I am, I yeah, can yeah. break that chain. I'm not trapped in it. Well, I think yeah, we yeah. often are seeing just negative side. We talk about intergenerational trauma and yeah, this, this is yeah. it. And you carry yeah. the emotional baggage. And yeah. I say, you can heal now. You can stop. It's hard. It's difficult. Right but now. You do do right now. And yeah. then you will have the future will be different. The future generations that you'll be having. And this yeah. is immensely powerful. Instead absolutely. Of absolutely. I love what you said, Arash. Yes, we are free to choose in many ways. Free to choose. In fact, what I tell people, like people who hope to get to read my book, there's a, almost all chapters talk about my own upbringing, especially with my mom. But I tell people the work you do right now, your angst, your hurt, your trauma, your parents didn't get a chance to heal their own trauma. In some way, it's been passed on to you. Yeah, yeah. Don't screw up. Yeah. Finish it. Do the work because then you do the work on their behalf. The pain you have, it was passed on to you because they couldn't, they didn't have the space. They didn't have the psychology, education, you know, internet. 
they didn't get a chance to do that. Honor that, but you can do the work to heal yourself. And, and, and exactly, it takes work. It's not easy. It's difficult. We have to step out of that comfort zone. We have right. to avoid blaming and victimizing because those are shortcuts and they don't take us anywhere. That's right. Those, Absolutely. That's not the path. Right. The path right. is really going through it. And then it falls apart where you just say, no, I don't blame you. I mean, you know, for, for to your yeah. parents and to others who, 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 who do you wrong. In fact, often I find I am gra grateful towards them because they actually woke me up. They hurt me. And that woke right. me up instead of just yeah. going on existence through my Absolutely. existence. Absolutely. Well said. Find adversity, a great opportunity of, of growth and learning and yeah. really diving into that instead of just blaming that. It's like, oh, it's because of you. All right. Yeah. Now, what do I do about it? What's in that's my right. hat? I, I, I think that's, that's hugely important. Yeah. That's absolutely well said that you create a positive change mm -hmm. by what you learned and you pass it on to next generation of yours. Beautiful. What, what a wonderful discussion. Dr. Ardeshir uh, Mehran, uh, psychologist, psychoanalyst, transformational leader, leadership coach, a lot of things, a lot of hats that you're wearing and it's really good. Thank and you. your book is You Are Not Depressed, You Are Unfinished. Uh, right. I just love the discussion. Thank you so much for being on Rash's World. It's such a pleasure talking to you and completely agree with, with what you're saying here. This is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Arash, for you know, being a part of your guest. And, you know, like people can find my book on Amazon. My website is the, the artistshirmehran.com and the resources available. And um, the only request I have for people, if you're in pain, if you're struggling, these are not death sentences. These are not life sentences. Basically, it means you've, the life you live has passed its expiration date. That there's a bigger, more fuller, and better life is waiting for you and is yours to take. Don't life let work. the time slip by. Thank you so much. Thank you.